We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now it's mailbag time. Mm-hmm. And so, Ryan, we don't have a lot of questions yet. So if you guys have questions, please get them in. Otherwise, this will be a quick mailbag, which is okay. If you guys want to roll, we can roll. But we got some questions we're <laughs> going to get to. Uh, first of all, a little compliment to your polo there, Ryan, from Jacob Hayden. He says, the po- that polo is clean. Sure Definitely is. asking my girlfriend to buy me that for my birthday next month. There, And you know where you get that. There's a link to the merch store down below, everybody, so you can definitely check that out. We have that one. We have a gray one, and we have a charcoal one, although the last time I saw that they were having a supply issue with the charcoal one that I wear a lot, so I don't know if they're going to be available or not, but the gray and the the white are still available for now. So uh, definitely clean shirts. I really like the fit of them. Ryan, Ryan likes them. He got the white one there. Vince had the white one on the other day. They're very comfortable, very comfortable shirts. There's no doubt really about it. They are. They make, they make you look slimming, too, which I like. Yeah, I, like I need all the help I get. <laughs> yeah, Brian J. Irish says, I believe Pine's jitters are out of – this is more of a comment. I, I believe Drew Pine's jitters are out of his system. I think getting last week's start out of the way was a major accomplishment. But Brian, you want to kind of comment on that? I have some thoughts I, on that. I mean, I'll say it like this, right? This isn't the first time we've ever seen Drew Pine in a football game, but it is the first start, right? So that there is some – there's some jitters that are ultimately going to happen when it's your first time doing something, right? So I can get on board with that, Brian. All I'll say is this, though, is that in order to get those jitters fully out, you need to have trust in them, right? And at the end of the day, if you have a simplistic game plan and a very conservative play game plan, I still think it's going to look as jitters at points because it's just going to be like, do they have really have trust in what they're mm-hmm. asking Drew Pine to do, right? So I agree that there's probably some jitters, but in order to get those fully outs, Notre Dame needs to trust them. And mm-hmm. it's a difficult task at times, but I really am looking forward to seeing how Tommy Reese attacks this game plan and trusting the quarterback position a little more, hopefully. Next question from I agree with that, Ryan. I think I think you nailed it. I don't I had thoughts on it, and Ryan, you took them all, which I love it. Great, great answer. John A1, is Joe Wilkins regressed or is he not fully recovered from his injuries? John, he is not. He does not look right to me. Uh, still, he doesn't have any burst off of his foot, which he wasn't an explosive, explosive guy anyway. So I I, I don't think he's – I mean, and he has I, – I don't know if I've seen him run a pass route where he was targeted, so I don't think we can comment on that. But it was a blocker. He's always been a decent blocker in the past. I just think a lot of it's just he was playing out of control and yep. he just doesn't have a lot of burst right now in my opinion. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone should start their day with a great cup of coffee. And for my family, that means the latest blend from Trade Coffee. My wife loves Trade Coffee. And when my parents were in town for the Notre Dame season opener, I turned them on to Trade Coffee as well. Let me tell you about Trade Coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. The coffee we got from Trade was superb. My wife is very picky with her coffee. I've told you that before, so I trusted Trade Coffee and had her fill out their quiz. They sent us three different blends, and they batted a thousand. We received the Holmes blend from Sparrow Coffee in Michigan, the Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York, and the Black Velvet from Atomic Roasters in Massachusetts. That's our collection, and trust me, we're adding to it. But if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take their coffee quiz and get expertly matched with coffees you'll love. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order plus shipping at drinktrade.com slash irish. That's drinktrade.com slash irish for $30 off. Try it out today. Yeah. Ryan Ryan B with a comment here. Ryan B B, you got Golden Freeman and James Laronitis working with linebackers. This is kind of a statement of like you know how, but I think but what I've said my response to this is, and I said this to a buddy the other day. I think that's the problem. But you have three really wicked smart guys. Are they able to coach to nineteen and twenty and twenty one year olds right now? The answer is no. That is one of the hardest things to do as a coach, Ryan. You and I have talked about this. I think it's especially difficult for guys that spent a long time in the NFL. Chancey Stuckey's in, in the NFL a long time. Now, he's been in the college game for several years now. He's more prepared for it. You know, I think it's one of those things where it's one of the reasons I really commend Brian Hartline because he's been able to kind of coach at the college level, not make it above, so far above their heads. You know, you wonder, is James Laronitis, is Al Golden, are they, are they, is there too much of an NFL feel to this where they feel like they can change the game plan week after week after week, like dramatically because that's what they did in the NFL? Yeah. There's an adjustment period to coaching college kids. Right now, I think they're struggling a little bit with that adjustment period. And and but I think they'll figure it out. Like I have confidence they're going to get it figured out. I, you know, they may prove me wrong, but I think I, I I'm confident they will. And because we had a comment from Brian J. Iris, could it get any worse at linebacker? And the answer is yeah. It could get a worse. lot worse. It could. It could. Like it's it's been disappointing and bad relative yeah. to what the expectations were. Trust me, I've seen worse linebacking cores in the country than Notre Dame's right now. You know, and and and, but that that's not it's, but that's not the standard. The standard isn't being better than sixty teams in the country. The standard is being better than being as good as anybody. That should be the standard, and they're not anywhere close to that. But yes, it can get a lot worse. It can get Uh, a lot worse. There's plenty of teams in the country right now that both have some the technical issues in Notre Dame, kind of the discipline issues in Notre Dame, and also aren't very talented, right? Like if we're being completely honest, like there's there's definitely worse. But I I get it, Brian. Trust me. If you went on the, if you went on the the the, the post game show last weekend, you understand my feelings about the linebacker unit right now. It is not good at all. But but yeah, it can get worse. I know it's just yeah. that's what we watch, right? So it looks terrible right now, and it's not good. But it could be it could get worse. Yeah. Oh, it could get a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. It could get a lot worse. There is no doubt about that. Hawk strongest with a super chat. Thank you, Hawk. I w- um uh was that. The Jacob Lacey you all saw coming out of high school. Yeah. That that's I, that's exactly what Jacob Lacey was coming out of high school. That's why I graded him as a top hundred recruit. A quick, penetrating, but strong point of point of attack player. 
Like, you had him a top top 100 coming out. I huh? graded him wow. as a top nice. 100 guy. Yeah, he was like nice. like 150 to 175 by some. He was in the top 100 by, I think at least one service. Let me let me go look this up real quick. He was a he was definitely a top 200 kid for sure. I think he was a top 100 guy by one service. Maybe I let me just go look here real quick because I don't want to say things that are inaccurate. He was 115 by ESPN, okay. and he was 177 by 247. So ESPN must have dropped him out of the top 100. Uh, but you know, when you looked at him, Ryan, and I think he was, let me just check rivals real quick because, um, per, yeah, rivals had him in the top 250 at one point as well, and then dropped him out because he signed with Notre Dame, you know. But he was a kid that Clemson made a hard push for. I mean, Michigan was making a hard push for, and we saw him as a freshman. I mean, Jacob was pretty darn good as a freshman in 2019, he was a good player for Notre Dame that year. The yeah. problem was, is he's just been hurt the last two years, you know, and yeah. and honestly. I don't think he should have played last year, to be completely honest with you. I mean, was it last year or the year before? I think it might have been the 2020, I think, is a year where I just felt he should have played. I thought they should have fixed the shoulder and just you know let him let him recover. And he I'm not faulting him for it. I mean, it's easy to do the hindsight 2020 thing. You needed him, he wanted to play. I, you know, and it wasn't gonna make it necessarily worse. Right. But I just felt it was a situation where you just needed to clean it up and, and get the get a young kid healthy. And, and, you know, we just, we, we just didn't see the same Jacob Lacey the last two years. He flashed a little bit last year. Was it against uh, Wisconsin? Yeah. It was a Wisconsin game? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and he, he was good early in the year, but then he got hurt again and missed two games. And cause like he had the success in the Wisconsin game, got banged up a little bit the next two weeks, didn't play against USC in North Carolina. So again, he got banged up again. So if Jacob can stay healthy, which he's the healthiest he's been in a long time, according to some people I've talked to. You're mm-hmm. seeing it, and that's what Jacobs and, and he's played well the first couple games. He didn't play great for me. It was a solid first two games. Yeah. We saw him kind of break out a little bit last week. So he, he's not going to have two sacks a game. But if you it, just the interior as a whole, if your interior of your defensive line can play every week the way it did last week, boy oh boy, this defense is going to be a lot better. Because I mean they, do, I mean it was Chris Smith, it was Jacob Lacey, it was Howard Cross, it was. Jason Adamiola, it was even Gabriel Rubio got in for four or five snaps and played well. I thought I saw him have a nice rep at some point, 97. I saw him have a nice rep. I I forgot to mention that in the postgame. Yep. Yep. So we even saw him get in and, 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 you know, he gave some beef. So you like what they're doing, Ryan. And and Chris Smith did that coming off of a week before he got injured. Yeah. You know, so I love how the interior of the D line played last week. If you can build on that, this team's going to have a chance to be really good. And when you have that many guys that are playing well, it allows you to keep a really healthy rotation to keep mm-hmm. them fresh. Right. And then in the fourth quarter, they're fresh. And I think yep. that's an important piece of this as well. well and, and you know, Brian, like I didn't evaluate Jacob Lacey coming out of high school just from like mm-hmm. a fan perspective, right? But you know that we were talking in the offseason. I've been pretty high on Jacob Lacey, man. Mm-hmm. Like I think that he has some – like he has some pop to him, man. He has some pretty good foot quickness for yeah. a bigger guy as well. So I'm happy to see the breakout last week. I hope that he can turn that now tangibly yeah. into – consistency because if he can then your interior defense line is really good because Howard Cross is playing good ball if he is anywhere close to what he was last week and you have Jason Adam Malola and all those guys you know yeah. it's it's a pretty good interior defense line at that point it's good so Ryan they um they had I think they played Michael Mayer's team for the state championship in Jacob's final year mm-hmm. so that would have been was it 2018 I think is when it was yeah. and uh South Warren won Jacob's team won no it was in the semifinals against uh i believe that was the year am i am i looking at the right year he was class of 2019 so um let me just look this up real quick make sure that jacob that i have this correct yes south warren they went 16 and 0 in his final year and they played uh they played covington catholic his final Mm -hmm. year and like you go back and watch the semifinal game um of his of his senior year and he was just michael covington covington catholics where michael mayer played I thought it was a championship game for some reason, but it was a semifinal game. And there was like a fourth and one play where they tried to they tried to just run opposite Jacob. They had like three guys trying to block him, and he just just destroyed him for I mean, he was he was a beast in high school. I mean, he was especially senior year, but he was already committed to Notre Dame. There's just no reason to to rise him up the rankings. But ESPN had it right. You know, it was a borderline top hundred guy. One thirteen, I have no issue with one thirteen. You know, like that's you know, when I say top 100, it's a top 100 caliber. Some years that means you're 80. Some years that means you're 113, depending on the depth of the class. 
but he was a really quick athletic kid, but he played with great leverage and he had really powerful hands. Yeah. And that's the thing about Jacob is he's a quick athletic player, but he's got really powerful hands. He played last year about 15 pounds underweight because they were they had to get the weight down to kind of get him healthy and get his body back right. So he played undersized last year. Now his weight's back up, and he's more comfortable around 285-ish, mm-hmm. and that's why you're seeing him play better. So, yeah, yeah. he's a really good football he, player. He, look, he looks massive right now, man. He's a, he's yeah. a big, big kid. So good yeah. for him. It's good for him. Yep, yep. Uh, so the, yeah, that's, uh, needs to keep it going, obviously. And the whole yes. group does. And, that, and again, that's an, another reason it's great to have a deep rotation is sometimes Jason Adamiel is going to have an off game or Howard Cross is going to have an off game or Jacob's going to have an off game. But when you got five dudes that can play at a high level, somebody picks up for that one week and you got to love it. We have a comment here for a question here from Leighton Burkholder. It's this question, how got, Hey guys, how confident are you for this weekend that Tommy will make the necessary changes to the offense and how gold will simplify things for the linebackers? I'll just be quick right now, Ryan. I'm in. I am in a believe it. I'm in a show me at it mood right now. Mm-hmm. Like so, I don't have a lot of confidence in it to be honest with you right now. And it's not that I'm, I'm doubting that they're going to do it or they're not going to do it. They're stupid idiots. It's not that at all. It's you know what? I, I don't even care anymore. My confidence level means nothing. I need to see it. Mm-hmm. Right? Let me see it. If you if I see it, I'll praise you. If you don't see it, you're not going to like me very much. Yeah. Right. Because it's simple. It's right there. Right. And so we're going to learn real quickly if these, co- if these, here's what we're going to learn over the next two weeks or the next two games. Are the Notre Dame coaches the kind of coaches that when things aren't going well, they look in the mirror or they look at their players? Yeah. That's what we're going to learn. Because if Tommy and Al Golden and Marcus Freeman are look in the mirror kind of guys, we will see changes and we will see this team play better. If they are, they're not doing their job talking to the players kind of coaches, then we'll see them keep doing what they're doing and it's going to stop working. It's going to keep not working. And and eventually the town will take over and they'll figure it out and the light will go on, but it'll be too late, just like it was last year. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what was it, game seven last year when the light finally went on for the offense, six or seven? Yep. And so that's what we're going to find out. So at this point in time, Leighton, I'm not, I mean, I'm kind of ducking your question, but but I have no confidence level one way or the other. I'm just, I don't, I don't even think about confidence. I don't think I'm optimistic. You're going to do it. No, I'm past that. Um, Show me, show me. I'm just, I'm kind of go with the flow right now as well. I mean, Brian, you're like, was it Herman Boone from Remember the Titans where he said, like, yeah. show me, Bama, show me. That's yeah. what I that's where yeah. I'm at right yeah. now, man. Let me you see it. show me. Let me see yeah. it. I don't, talk is done. You know, hey, you know, talk they Notre Dame's coaches won the press conference this week. You know, hey, it's all sounded great, all wonderful. Sure. Right? Sure. Don't care. Let me see it. Mm-hmm. Let me see it. That's where Agreed. I'm at at this point in time. Yep. Here we go with some more questions. Irish Blooded has a couple here. Who what do you think is a bigger margin of victory? Wake for uh, Wake versus Clemson? or Notre Dame versus North Carolina? Wake versus Clemson for me. I, I, I'm I not going to put my score prediction out because I know we'll talk about that one tomorrow on the show, but I, I think that Clemson is going to give it to Wake a little bit this week. Just leave it at that. Yeah, I just don't like that matchup for them. No. I really don't like that matchup for them. Yeah. I, I just – um, Wake Forest is not running the ball really well so far this year, and that slow mesh does yeah. not really work against that type of front seven, right? Yeah. So, yeah. They just, um, you know, to me, it's a bad matchup. I don't love their talent. I think that 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 Clemson defense is playing at a pretty high level. My only, my only pause would be, number one, there's always the fluky stuff that happens, like Wisconsin-Notre Dame. You know, like Notre Dame beat Wisconsin by 28. Not really. Only on the yep. scoreboard. You watch that game play out, and it was a – you know, they, they had some crazy stuff at the end. It was not a 28-point game, yeah. right? So, you know, to me, I look at it and I say, I think there's a bigger gap between Notre Dame and – or Wake Forest and Clemson than there is Notre Dame and North Carolina from a matchup standpoint. And that's what really matters here. You know, North Carolina and Wake Forest play each other in really close and competitive games, right? But mm-hmm. I think that the reason that North Carolina has been able to play Clemson a little bit more competitively in the few instances they've played, because they actually haven't played a ton. Yeah. But even going back to when they played them uh, in the uh, the ACC title game, I'm trying to remember was it was it four was it four it was sometime like fourteen or was it fifteen? Uh, when they played, when you had that really good eleven win Carolina team, and they played. 
they played uh, North Carolina in the ACC title game. I think it was – I thought it was 15, but I, I could be – I'm a, let me pull this up real quick, Ryan. It was 15, yep. yes. It was the ACC title game. And Clemson won 45-37. The last time they played was 2019, and it was 21-20 Clemson. So mm-hmm. they've only played two times, you know, 20, the 2015 title game and then 2019, and they've been competitive games both times. And I think the reason is is that with Wake has great scheme with Warren Ruggiero. North Carolina now has great scheme, but North Carolina has better players, better athletes, be, you know, better blockers, better running backs. You know, they're, they're just a better team. And I mean, be, excuse me, not better team. They're better athletes. And I mm-hmm. think that's helped them. And so when North Carolina's had a, a a really dynamic quarterback, like Marquise Williams was a guy that could make some plays with his legs, and then Sam Howell was a, was in 2019 was really good as a freshman. That's mm-hmm. allowed them to stay close to Clemson, right? So it the the matchup's different. And so I just I just don't think Wake matches up. I really don't. They didn't look clean. They didn't look great against Liberty. Liberty's not that no. good this year, in my opinion, no. Ryan. I don't I mean, think so they're either. they're not terrible. But they're yeah. not they're not like what they were when they had Malik Willis. I mean, they're just agreed. They're not that kind of team. I mean, they're they're two and one. They beat UAB by a touchdown. That's a good win. UAB is a good football team. Sure, you know, and, and and they're you know they're they're a good team. Uh, you know, they they barely beat Southern Miss. Beat Southern Miss by two. You know, Southern Miss is two and one. They lost to Liberty by two. Lost to Miami thirty to seven. And then their only win is over Northwestern State. So you know. They're they they're just not as dynamic as they've been, and they they should have beat Wake Forest. I mean, they had plenty of opportunities to beat Wake Forest, so yeah. I I don't think that's going to be overly competitive. Overly I, I I I do like uh, one of my favorite players in college football is At Perry for Wake Forest. So I think they can mm-hmm. get, he can give Clemson a little bit of problems at points. I think because I don't think the the secondary is incredible for right. Clemson this year. But again, I think it's just I just think that their offensive line is just going to have some problems with that Clemson defensive line. Like that's, it's not a great matchup for them. Here's my only issue with AT Perry against Clemson. Mm-hmm. AT Perry's really good. Yeah. AT Perry's a bit more of a traditional receiver though, in that he has to win vertically and with routes. He's not a guy you're necessarily going to, he's not Josh Downs. They're different types of players is my point. Yeah. And, and so North Carolina's a lot of times have had, those type of players, they could just kind of quickly get the ball to them and they kind of let them go make some plays. And and we have not seen Wake Forest hasn't had a lot of those guys on the perimeter. Right. They've had more like who was the kid? Uh, they have another kid that was uh, that I like. Is he still healthy? I, I don't even look if he's playing sure. Donovan Green was I a think basketball he's back player. Now. You know, they had now. the they had um, the kid who's I'm drawing blanks on names today. The kid yeah. whose brother was a linebacker for uh North Carolina. Oh, well, Surratt. 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 They've had more of that kind of receiver, you know, where it's the vertical guy, and that requires your quarterback to have time to throw the football. <laughs> you yes. know what I mean? Where when you look at North Carolina 2019, they had Deami Brown, who was also that kind of guy, but they had also had uh, Daz Newsom. Mm-hmm. And so you had a guy in Daz Newsom that could kind of go out there and, and do some shifty stuff. They had some running backs that you could do some things in the pass game with uh, and, and that, that Wake just doesn't have. In my opinion, and I think that's kind of the thing that that allows them to be successful. In 2015, they had Ryan Switzer, you know, and Bug Howard as two of the guys they had in that receiving core. And so, you know, I when I look Ryan at Switzer. it, he was so yeah. much fun. <laughs> yeah. So to me, like having that balance of player is 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 another reason why I think Clemson or UNC kind of matches up a little bit better against Clemson than Wake does. I just mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be. I mean, if, if Wake was going to have a chance to beat Clemson, it was last year, and they got stomped. Yes, I mean they got stomped. So we'll we'll, we'll see, we'll see. But I, I agree with you. I think it'll be Clemson Wake. I hope I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that we're in a good mood in the post game show, and we are wrong about the answer to this question in so many different I, ways. I would love to be in the in a good mood during the post game show for once. That'd be right. fun. That'd be right. Fun. Yeah, yeah. We'll just tell you not to watch the linebackers on Saturday. Like Ryan, close your eyes, put a thing on your screen that just allows you to not see the linebackers, and you'll be in a better mood. Irish Blooded also asked, "Do you think Tyree has more rushing TDs this week or more receiving TDs this week?" I'm going to go rushing this week, Ryan. Your thoughts? I don't care. I just want them to score touchdowns, man. Agree, really- but if you had to predict, <laughs> which do you think? If you cut, because I'm looking at the matchup of the game, and I could see him ripping off a couple runs this game. As opposed to – because I think Carolina's going to be prepared for him to catch the ball this week, where yeah. 
Cal was not. Which then I, you I, use I, that to your advantage. I, I think I would defer to rushing as well. I'm just trying mm-hmm. to like think like I. Yeah, I, I would because I, I think I think passing game wise, this could be a more outside oriented game than maybe what it has been over the last couple weeks. So I'll say rushing as well. I think they have a chance to establish a run game. Sounds good. Ray Holcraft says, what kind of adjustment physically and mentally is needed for North Carolina to play well against Notre Dame after playing three lower level teams? I don't think they need to make an adjustment mentally uh, as much uh, other than just be more assignment correct on defense. Mm-hmm. I think the physical adjustments can't just come down to defensively, just um, be more, I mean, again, make tackles, right? Be more aggressive attacking your gaps, just play with more confidence. I guess that is a mental thing. They got to play with more confidence on defense. Offensively, the only the only adjustment is your offensive line is going to have to be prepared for a hopefully better be prepared for a physical game. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the big difference. I I think Georgia State tries to play physical football on offense. So I mean they they had to scrap last week against Georgia against Georgia uh, State. They're not the talent that Notre Dame has, but just you know style of play wise, I think you know I think that you know was kind of similar to what they're going to see, you know, a team that wants to run the football and all that kind of stuff. But this is a bigger, faster, more athletic, more physical group than you've seen. And as long as the coaches let them go, the, the only adjustment is, is you, you better be ready physically to bring it. That's the only, that's the only thing for me. Brian, I'm going off on a slight tangent here for a second. Sure. Do you want to blast from the past from a recruiting perspective? It. Do you love remember, it. do you remember Jamie Williams that went to South Carolina, the mm-hmm. defensive back? Do you know that he is now a running back for Georgia State? Do you know that? Are you how old is he? Uh, he's got to be a six-year senior. Has to be. Oh my gosh. To be. Yeah, he's playing running back for Georgia State. Last year he averaged like eight yards a carry or something like that. It's pretty funny though. Wow. Yeah. That's uh I'm trying to see what class he was. That's nuts. He's got to be like he 2017. Was, yeah, he had to have been. Yeah, he had to have been. Yeah, 2017 class. Goodness gracious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was a top 100 recruit. Yeah, he was legit, man. He was, yeah. well, he was supposed to be legit going to South Carolina. Yep. He had an offer from Bama. Jeez Louise. Now he's a Had an offer from Notre Dame. Wow. Who knew? That's an interesting yeah. one. I saw his name on the roster last year, and I'm like, what the heck? I didn't know he played there. <laughs> so I was right. They're trying to run the ball. Yeah. <laughs> you know, their team wants to run a football. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Here we go with more. Uh, David Carpenter is North Carolina Stadium a hostile environment. I wonder if they will contribute to fall starts for us. It's not a hostile environment like you think of, like when you think of Penn State and Ohio State and places like that. But it, it they, when their team is good and they're playing a big name opponent, they get loud. You know, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be so much that it's going to like it. This isn't like playing in Athens in 19, right? I'm sorry. It's just not. This is no disrespect to North Carolina fans. It's just a different atmosphere. But can they get loud? Will they get into their team if their team is playing well? Absolutely. And and when Notre Dame played them in 2020, when it went down there and played them in 2020, the one thing that we have to remember is, do you know how many fans were at that game, Ryan? No idea. 3,500. 3,500? Oh, oh, yeah. COVID. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah, and yeah. so they weren't able to kind of – when they were going – when it was when they jumped on Notre Dame early, there was no crowd momentum that, that was played into that game. I mean, wow. I think that stuff matters to a degree. Sure. Right? If they have that success early this game, that place is going to be a lot louder than it was in 2020 when there was no – there was no crowd. So I think that has to be a part of it, sure. But, look, a crowd is only hostile as long as you allow them to be hostile. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just the reality of it. There's a lot of hostile crowds when Bama comes to town, and they're not hostile after about five minutes, right? Because it's 17 nothing all of a sudden, or 14 mm-hmm. nothing, or whatever. Uh, but yes, if Notre Dame plays the way they have in recent games, yeah, they'll they'll let that crowd get more involved, right? There's no 100%, doubt about it. 100. And Donovan Amora, this is an interest. This is a funny comment. He just has a comment. It's, it feels weird for me to have the most confidence in our secondary. And special teams. It, it's yeah. bizarre, isn't it? That was the two that, that yeah. was the positions that we in the offseason we were just kind of like, man, I, you know, there's question marks here. I need to answer questions, yeah. and they have answered it so far. So, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Here we got some more here. Jay, 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 Jay's, Jen's family. 
Do you think Notre Dame will run routes that are spread out and not together? Well, they better again, yeah, but he's talking about the spacing off. issues. Yeah, uh, I'm going, I'm, I'm deferring to my previous answer. I'll believe it when I see it, right? It needs to happen, but I'll believe it when I see it. So I don't know if you have something better for that, Ryan. No, it's the same thing, man. Like spacing has been a huge issue. Like you think of who, who called that one, Brian, where it was just like sticks and they were both in the same spot for some weird reason. Lorenzo I, Styles caught it and Jaden Thomas was standing right next to him. It was so ugly, man. And that's, that's stuff that like just should never happen. Just should never no, happen. Especially on that type of route concepts. Like it's just, yeah. So, it, I mean, it needs to. Those, those are two of the guys supposedly that you trust. You trust yeah. so much that you can't get to buy some Merriweather in the game. Yeah. Right. So sorry. I'm going to keep saying that. But yeah. Yep. It's frustrating. Here's a fun one. David Carpenter asks, what is the best built bar to eat this weekend to ensure a Notre Dame victory? Probably not a puff bar. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I get you on that, but I will say this. There's some of the puffs are really good and I'm not I'm, Ryan. I'm not a, a marshmallow candy kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like the, uh, what's that one candy you used to get like Thanksgiving or Easter. You know, you know what I'm talking about the mellow oh, cups or whatever. Peeps. Peeps. I don't yeah. like peeps, but also the mellow cups. Like oh, the mellow ones. cups. Got it. I don't yeah, like yeah. those very much. I will say this. The cookie dough chunks puffs, the brownie batter puffs, and the banana cream pie puffs are all phenomenal. But if you're looking for like more of a solid bar, uh, Cherry Barcia is – you can never go wrong with Cherry Barcia. You cannot. My- now, they have this new one called Mud Pie, and we got a sample of it. I just haven't tried it yet. I just haven't had a chance to try it yet. I've been out of town so much. It's been so crazy. I haven't had a chance to try it, but – I've heard some really good things about it, but uh, they when you know, so if, yeah, if you're if cherry, uh, cherry Barcia, uh, salted caramel is pretty good. The coconut almonds really good. Strawberries pretty good. Uh, peanut butter strawberry. brownie, peanut butter brownie, make it yep. happen. Yep. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. So there's definitely some, some different kinds. It just depends on what your likes are, man. But look, any bill bar could lead to victory, buddy. you just gotta, it's gotta <laughs> believe as you're chewing on that thing. And, and you can always order them. If you order, if you order, uh, through Irish Breakdown, use the Irish Breakdown promo code. You get ten percent off your whole purchase, and that's every time you order. So it's not like a it's not like the merch store where you get it for like one time. It's any time you order. If you if you do that, and if you use when with the uh, trade coffee, if you want people to use trade coffee, if you go to drink drinktrade.com slash Irish, you also get a discount uh, with working with us too. So try to help you all out. We don't get any kickback from trade coffee. They just advertise with us, which is fine because I. Like genuinely like my wife. I even tried a cup of coffee from there, Ryan. You know I'm not a coffee guy, and I I actually liked it. It was it had like a like a malt ball thing in it. It was, it was weird. Like it didn't taste like huh. normal coffee, but I liked it. It was good because I like huh. sweet things. You know, and I don't find coffee to be real sweet, but then I don't like putting so much dang sugar in a coffee that to make it drinkable. That you're like, okay, well now this is the most unhealthy thing I could put in my body because I just poured like a half a container of sugar in it to make it good. I put one of my my wife has these like little like kind of healthy sugar things. Like they're not, they're not sugar, but they're like supposedly like better for you. I don't know what they are. And then I put a little bit of creamer in it and I was like, this is actually really good, but it was really flavorful. You got that through uh trade coffee, which is really good. That's why they keep uh, advertising. I was like, I'll advertise you guys anytime. Cause I actually like the product. I tried the product and my wife loves it. She's a coffee snob. She genuinely likes it. She didn't think she was going to, she totally was like, she's like, I'm not going to like my wife's most people like she has to pick out a coffee. It's what she wants. Well, with Drink Trade, if you take the quiz, they will send you something based on your quiz answers. So you can actually cool. pick it out. And she liked all of them. So I was, I was like, there's no way this is going to work. No way. <laughs> <laughs> like, no way. But it does. It works. And so that's why we like advertising with them. Same with Bill Bar. I actually, I genuinely love Bill Bar. Ryan does too. No, they are really good. They're so really good. That's why we partner yeah. with them. So, yep. USMA 87, we talk about the light going on for players. Do you think coaches need the same aha moment? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. In new, because in new spots, 100%. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Look, here's the deal. If the coaches aren't willing to look in the mirror and say, what am I doing? Because it, it has to start with you. Because if it's all in the players, then take your salary, cut it in half, and give it to your players. If it's that much on them, then why are coaches making the money that they're making, right? They're stunning good looks? No. It's because they are the ones ultimately responsible for it, right? Now, players got to play. Yes, but it's also coaches got to put give kids the tools to play their game to their max potential. You know, that's why coach teams will be bad. You bring in a new like – Notre Dame's defense, for example, sucked for three straight years. I mean, sucked. 
as Lou Samoji pointed out, worst rush, worst three-year stretch of run defense in school history under Brian Van Gorder. It took them one offseason and Mike Elko to fix it all. Because why? Same players, but they brought in actual coaches. Yep. And all of a sudden, Notre Dame's good enough to go out there and go 10-3 and three against a schedule that had eight ranked teams on it, right? And and so and with the games they lost were not on the defense. They were on the mm-hmm. offense. So uh, Miami's defense scored more points against Notre Dame in 2017 than Notre Dame's offense scored that game. I'm just going to remind people of that, by the way. Yeah. Mike Drosico, I hope I'm getting that right, Mike. No disrespect intended, but they are the same linebackers that played last year, right? So why are they so bad this year? Ryan, it's kind of what we pointed out. It's when, when players are thinking more than they're reacting, they're not going to be good. Yep. They're just not. And I, I mean, so yeah, Mike, you have two out of three that are the same starters that you had last year, right? Like you have JD Bertrand. And, well, even though JD is playing a different position than he played last year, technically, but you have him that's coming back. You had Jack Kaiser that obviously played a lot and started at at Rover last year. I think the biggest thing is there's not really much confidence with them right now, and I don't know why that is 100. percent Like I think that they're just not comfortable in what they're being asked to do. They're not comfortable in the system at the moment, and that's troubling obviously a little bit with again we talked about you have a lot of great defensive minds on the staff you have a lot of great linebacker minds on the staff and and for at this point it is really not meshed at at, at all mm-hmm. at this point right so I think it's about there's a I know you hate this word Brian but there is a simplification I think that needs to happen a little bit right you need to play a little more to the strengths and let them run free let them play free a little bit right now same thing that I talked about with the defense in general take the shackles off a little bit and just let these guys read and react a little bit. Right. I think that's when Maris Loyfow is going to be at his best. So he doesn't have to think as much. He's just reacting and, and triggering. Right. Like that's the biggest thing for me right now. Yep. Next one from Brian J. Irish, Brian and Ryan, how confident are you in the Notre Dame offensive line, defensive line against Carolina? I am going to revert Brian. <laughs> they should dominate, but I need to see it. Yep. I need to see it. We've seen too many up and down performances for me to say, like if all I w- if I were to just look at the last game and say, see, they've arrived, they're good. That's confirmation bias. Yes, that's all that is. I thought they were going to be good. They've had one good game. That we're good now. That's confirmation bias. I need to see him. I need to see him string some games together like that. Because if they just come out this week and the defensive line's not dominant, it's going to be back to well, we said that offensive line from Cal sucked, and they did, and so they beat up a crap offensive line. And you know, North Carolina's offensive line's not not great, but they're. Definitely better than cows, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. So uh, you got to bring it, right? And so if they don't, then it's just, okay, you had one good game against a bad line. And if Notre Dame's offensive line doesn't bring it, then it's like, okay, you 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 played better for a game, but you couldn't keep that focus enough to come out and do it the next week. So, Brian, any anything, any question you all have about my confidence level, my expectations, look, we've laid out what the, the keys are. We've laid out the matchups that matter. We, we've laid out this is where Carolina is good. This is where Carolina is vulnerable. It's now up to them to say, okay, they need to see it too, and then mm-hmm. do something about it. But as far as my confidence level, my expectations, I have none mm-hmm. because this team has a lot to prove still for me, Ryan. On on paper, they should have they should have an advantage pretty handily, if we're being honest, from a talent perspective and just – from a, like a trajectory perspective, like Notre Dame did play better on, on both sides of the lines last week. But at the end of the day, to reiterate what Brian just said, and to answer your question, Brian, I also have to see it. I just have to, man. Like it's, it's something where Blake Fisher is better than anybody on the defensive line for North mm-hmm. Carolina in theory, right? Isaiah Foskey should talents. not get blocked. Yes. Yeah. yes. Isaiah Foskey should not get blocked by either one of these tackles one-on-one in theory, but, Theory only goes so far. You have to turn theory into practicality at some right. point, right? And Potential so has to, to become production. That's the yes. thing I like to say. And there's a difference between being a talented player and a great player. 100%. Sometimes a great player is also a talented player, but just because you're a talented player doesn't mean you're a great player. Mm-hmm. Right now, Notre Dame has talented players. They don't have a lot of great players, really any great players. And so they need to start playing to their potential. Their potential needs to turn into production, which means we're not talking about what this team could or should be. You start talking about what they are, yep. and they have a lot to a lot to prove before that. 
Next one from Michael Campbell. Lorenzo Styles got seven receptions. Keep up that up. But if he's running better yards after the catch routes, he will make bigger plays. I agree, but he's got to catch the ball in those right. yards <laughs> after catch routes. Yep. You know, like I mean, like the the, the drop on the crossing was terrible. Even though Drew threw that swing, that little slide route low, that still has to be caught. You know, you catch it for a three or four yard gain if you fall down. If you can somehow keep your bounce, you can run for four or five more. So, I mean, you know, there's opportunities, uh, you know, where they can and should get him. And I mean, we've talked about this, right? More crossers, more drags, more posts, more things where these guys are getting on the run. But then they did that last week and Lorenzo gets open on the third down and he just whiffs on the ball. He barely touched it on a ball that's like right here, barely touched it. So, um, yeah, that's going to be interesting. So, anyway. Uh, Jen's family, uh, how far is Notre Dame from a national championship right now? Light years because they're one and two and they're not, they're not going to be a playoff team this year. And so, I mean, you're one and two and you lost to Marshall is the talent level close. I I haven't changed. Ryan, have you changed your opinion on the talent level at Notre Dame since the summer? I haven't, I haven't. No, it's, it's, I mean, it's the same, Brian. Like I, I, I think Notre Dame is one of the five to 10 best teams in the country from a talent perspective, right? Like I think they're in that ballpark. They're not coaching or playing to that nearly that high of a level to the question, right? So they are, as you said, they're light years away. They're not, they're not in the ballpark yet. They're not, you have to, they have to put it together and they have not put it together this season so far. Absolutely not. All right. So yeah, there's the, they they have a ways to go right now. They took a step back so far, but let's see how they finish the end of the year. Right, that's going to be the question. If you'd asked USC fans about their team at the beginning of 2016, they'd feel a whole lot worse about their team than Notre Dame does right now. By the end of the year, you ask USC fans, all seven of them that were still paying attention, what they thought of that football team, they'd have been like, "We can play with anybody." Right? It's a long season. Let's see how they develop. But right now, they're light years away from a championship because it's going to be almost impossible for them to make the postseason to play for a championship. You can't win a championship if you're not playing for it. Right. When you're one and two and you have a loss to Marshall at home, the odds of you getting in the playoff are slim yep. to none. Jay Montabano, who will be the offensive MVP and defensive defensive MVP in this game? So, Ryan, I'm going to ask the question this way. I'm going to ask yeah. it this way. If Notre Dame wins the way mm-hmm. that you have in your prediction, and we will not share your predictions yet, but if they win, who do you think would have to will have to be or do you think would be the MVPs if Notre Dame wins the game the way that they are supposed to. I would say Chris Tyree is the offensive MVP in my formula because I think that he is a kid that, again, we saw flashes of it last week, but he's a kid that I think can break a big run on on in the run game, and I think that he can also do some stuff in the passing game. So I think that the versatility is something that pushes me to, if used correctly, he can have a big game. Defensively, it's a boring answer, but I'm going to go with an interior defensive lineman. I think that it's Jason Adamalola is the guy in this one, right? Because I think that edge pressure is always great, obviously, right? But I think interior pressure is what's really going to get to Drake May if, if it does get to him, right? If Notre Dame's able to get enough pressure on him. So I'll say Jason Adamalola on defense, and I'll say Chris Tyree on offense are my players of the game if they win. I'm going to go – I'm going to go Drew Pine. Nice. If they win, it's going to be Drew Pine because I think he's going to have to really make some plays with his arm in this game to win. Defensively, if they're going to win, I think it's going to be. I, I think that we're going to see some turnovers in this game, and I think whether it's Cam Hart or Benjamin Morrison or Clarence Lewis, somebody's going to have a couple huge plays in this game that result in turnovers in the secondary. That and, and someone's going to have a big day. So you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. If they're gonna if 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 Notre if these two players are Notre Dame's MVPs, Notre Dame will win. I'm gonna reverse it. Drew mm-hmm. Pine on offense, Tariq Bracey on defense. Because if Tariq is Tariq earns an one. MVP, it means he keeps Josh Downs in check and it means he's he's he forced a turnover. Right? Whether it's him batting the ball in the air that somebody picks off behind him or him picking it off himself. I think that'll be the case. If if Notre Dame wins, if they do that, then I think Notre Dame wins and then vice versa. Love it. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I want to pull this next. I'm going to skip down here to the bottom because this is a great, great comment from Josh Hersbeck. Josh says, ask this question, Ryan. I think mm-hmm. he nails it. I think his question answers itself. Yep. Is it fair to say every Power 5 coach is smart and the differentiation is the ability to teach? I always hear how smart coaches are, but players don't play well, don't care how smart you are if no results. So I'm going to say this. No, not every Power Five coach is smart. I ha- Ryan and will agree to the, uh, attest to this. I have met some division, some Division One coaches in my day that could not, that are just dumb. I'm just like, how are you? And it's like, oh, you played there, makes sense. Or you're a former Division One player, and people keep hiring you because I don't know who knows why. I have met some bad Division One coaches. There's bad coaches at every level. There's dumb coaches at every level. NFL on down. I mean, I tr- when I was at Christopher Newport, I had a kid that was trying was had played with the Steelers and was was like trying to get in the NFL. He came to me to work with him over the summer, and he's like, "Dude, our our receivers coach is Heinz Ward. Like our receiver coach does nothing. Like Heinz coaches us up, right? There's some bad coaches at the Division One at the Division One level, NFL level. On for the most part, however, with good teams like the top forty teams in the country, the top forty rosters in the country, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is a big part of it. I mean, is Duke's roster that much different than it was a year ago? No. No, it's not. It's just Mike Elko put together a really quality staff, and they know how to coach. They know how to teach. That's the thing I love about Mike Elko. That's the thing I loved about Clark Lee. Clark Lee is a smart guy, but I don't think Clark Lee is just like this football savant that does all this stuff like you know Brent Venables or Nick Saban. He knows how to teach kids how to play for the most part. And and that to me is what the great coaches do. Nick Saban is an incredibly wicked smart football coach. There are guys as smart as him. But the reason they don't win like him is because he knows how to teach at a level that is just incredible. Yep. And so what this staff has to learn, and, and I've said this a bunch in the past, the number one responsibility of a position coach is to or a football coach is to be a teacher. That's, that is that's why that's why so priority. many. That's why so many coaches have an education background, right? right. Like that's that's why. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of teacher. There's a lot of coaches that are former teachers or teachers that also coach. Like that's a yep. big thing is the ability to teach. I've I've also been around a lot of what I would consider really smart football guys that didn't know how to teach. Like they didn't know how to do it. It's just it, they didn't know how to translate mm-hmm. something that they do so naturally into a player being able to do it right like they just didn't know how to do it so to your point brian mm-hmm. it goes both ways like there's some guys that should not be coaches just from a a intelligence level perspective mm-hmm. and then there's other guys that are smart but they just do not know how to teach the game so yep. yeah i think i think that is a big separator though josh to your question i think it is a huge separator absolutely great question and observation josh and that's what this staff has to learn they have to learn tommy reese is a really i want to explain i don't think people he is a wicked smart guy when it comes to football, like scheme and X's and O's and that kind of stuff. What Tommy has to learn and what he has not shown yet is that he can teach the game. The best his offense ever looked was with a quarterback he didn't have to teach. 
Mm-hmm. Jack Cohn showed up in their name, already knowing how to play the position. Tommy's job was just put the scheme in place. That's what happened to Charlie Weiss. When Charlie Weiss inherited a veteran football team that already knew how to line up and block and tackle and do all that, they were really good. When those guys were all gone and the roster was made up of guys that he had to then take from scratch as freshmen and teach how to play, Notre Dame sucked, despite recruiting really well. Like if Notre Dame had as many five stars on their roster now as they had from 07 to 09, like people would not be having the same complaints about recruiting that they do now. Right, Ryan? I mean, they had a lot of five-star dudes, but a lot of them didn't pan out. Why? They weren't taught how to play the game. Undeveloped, yeah. And, and that's the thing. And Charlie was a wicked smart dude. But you got to be able to teach. And it's not just teach them how to run all these concepts, but teach them how to do the simple things. Teach them how to think on their feet. Teach them. It's like it's like with anything. One of my frustrations is like in college is I think there's too much indoctrination that happens at college. And you have too many professors. And I dealt with this all the time when I was a student. Professors trying to get you to think what they think. And I'm like, that shouldn't be your job. Your job should be teach and then call and, and then allow me. Now, again, we're not talking about things that, are, that there is only one answer. Two plus two is four. There is no other answer. OK, uh, but, you know, other things where there is interpretation. So if I'm taking a poli sci class and we're talking about Keynesian economics, or we're talking about Milton Friedman's beliefs, right? Two polar opposites. Your job is not to tell me that Keynes is better or that Milton Friedman's better. Your job is to teach me the two principles and then teach me how to think critically so I can decide what I think is the one that I like or I think is best. It's about critical thinking. It's about teaching people to think on their feet, not so much to just run this route because I said so right? It's why am I trying to get you to run this route this way? Because if you understand why I want you to run the route that way, then you're going to understand what to do when the team does something that we didn't necessarily prepare for during the week of practice. Adjust. Because you, yep. understand the, you understand the heart and soul of why we're asking you to do what we're doing. And that's what good football teams do. Their players know how to think on their feet. And if you can do that, that makes you a great coach. Even if you aren't the smartest guy in the world. I've said this a million times, Ryan. A great a guy who is a good play caller, but a great great during the Monday to Friday, but just good on Saturday is going to be much better than a guy that is wicked smart on Saturday, but doesn't know how to teach kids Monday to Friday. Yep. Give me that other guy every single day of the week. And you'll know a perfect example of that. Kirby Smart. Georgia is not a complicated team. Yes, they have very good players, but you know what? They are one of they are they're old school Bama. They're yep. very talented, but they are fundamentally sound. They physical. know how to play. They're yep. physical. They're always in the right spot. You, They don't beat themselves anymore. They did early in his tenure. He's getting a thing going, but they don't beat themselves right now. You have to beat them. Bama beat them in the SEC title game. They were just better, mm-hmm. right? But then in the championship game, Georgia just kept hanging around, playing sound football, sound football. And then when every time Bama made a mistake, Georgia pounced. Right, because Kirby is great Monday to Friday. He's an okay game day coach, not a great game day coach, but he's great Monday to Friday. And that's why I think Georgia has become so much better. It's not just about there's talent, there's teams with really talented teams that aren't that good. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what to me makes Kirby so good. It's what made his it's it's the most underrated aspect of Nick Saban, is how good of a teacher he is. Yes. All right. That was a great one, Josh. I love that one. Andrew Radford, are y'all looking forward to the new NCAA football game to come out next year? I still play 14. Yes. Heck yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You have no idea. Did we you, need what, to have, we need have an IB tournament when oh that gosh. happens. Yes. Ryan, uh, you, I'm like, hey, guys, the entire Irish Breakdown staff, including me, has asked for the week off. Uh, <laughs> so we are not going to be doing anything this next week. Uh, that's not allowed, by the way, right? Uh, unless you want to use your vacation days. Uh, okay. The tire, everyone that I have worked for me has taken this week, has using their cashing in on their vacation days this week. Um, yes. I'm very much looking forward to that. Is it true that they're going to have the transfer portal in there? I saw I the no thing idea. on are they? an article the other day saying that they were going to have the transfer portal as part of it. I don't know if that was like a joke or not. Are they going to have NIL well, in it too? I don't know. <laughs> Might as well. I mean, that's Might the reality well. of college football now, right? Uh, uh, that's gonna, it would be I, so funny if you could have like meetings with recruits on there where you're like, okay, how much are you going to give me? <laughs> and then you have to like set a price. Like, oh man, oh man, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I cannot wait. That's going to be so much fun. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. So much fun. Ryan B B says, do you think we've improved in the red zone? Actually, no, I don't think they're. I don't think they're improved. We talked about this in yesterday's show. Ryan, Notre Dame is 
Um, the Notre Dame's offense has improved in the red zone. I mean, the results yeah. are are there. Yeah, I think they've improved because when they get in the red zone, they they've scored. Sure. That's the only way to evaluate it. I think they've gotten. I say I don't say they've gotten better. I mean, the, the results are what they are. I mean, they're getting in the red zone and they're scoring. The only time that they haven't scored a touchdown was on the first drive of the year. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And they've scored in the red zone every time since then, including the only other time they got in the red zone against Ohio State. So, yeah, I think they've improved. Defensively, they have not improved. They have definitely not improved. Yeah. Sorry, I just I just saw Antoine's comment here. I, I, I feel like I need to pull this up because it Go was ahead. hysterical. He said, I quit one of my exes because of NCAA football. She said it was either her or the game, and guess who won? <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a good way to test someone's love. Like, wait a minute, you think you're more important to me than this? Uh, you don't know me very well. Yeah, yeah. I, Antoine, I mean, dude <laughs> – yeah, I feel you. Oh, I, feel, I mean, I wouldn't say that now about funny. my current spouse, but you're nah. my current spouse, my only spouse. Uh, I wouldn't say that about <laughs> Angela, but there's girls I dated that they were trying to be like, hey, you you know, you need to spend more time with me and not that game. I'd have been like, if one of these two things has to go, you're not going to like which one. It is. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, you're not going to like my answer a whole lot. I'm just, I'm just going to be real with you on that one. Uh, la- last couple ones here, and let's uh, let's get to this. Uh, timeout, Tom. If Notre Dame plays only Bauer and Kaiser and Mike with Tulea Maka not getting a moment, a, a good amount of, of time this week, it will it it is head scratching time. What are your feelings? So basically, like with Bertrand out, if they only play Bauer and and Kaiser and not Tulea Maka. Uh, yeah, he, he's not happy about that. It, it, it would be very head scratching to me because that means that you're also putting Kaiser at a different position. Right. I mean, like I know he's played a little bit tucked inside as a stack player, you know, at points this season, but he's not a Mike linebacker. Right. So if mm-hmm. you did that, then you're just saying I don't have confidence in junior to Alamaka. And I think that he deserves to get a few reps. So I agree. That would be head scratching for me. It would. Yeah. Be. I would I would not like it, but I would actually understand it for this game mm-hmm. because of just the style of offense that Carolina runs. Now, Percy, for me, I would say put the thumper in there and just say, hey, we're going to thump with the mic and then we're going to run with everybody else. That's how I would handle it. But I could I could I could be per, I could be persuaded in a game plan that said, hey, we're going to go with faster guys in the field as opposed to the bigger thumper. I could be persuaded by it. it I'd have to see what the game plan was. Like mm-hmm. they're crashing the mic all day, and they're just got Bo in there, and then when Jack's in there, they're they're playing more covered stuff. Okay, sure. Uh, I wouldn't like it, but I don't. I I could somewhat understand it in this game, to be honest with you. I just hope that that's not the case. I hope that there that's not the argument that's made after the game. I would be a little disappointed in that. I'm not gonna lie to you, Ryan. I'm yep. gonna bring this up here, salty Virginia peanuts. This is I'm a little upset with you right now. Uh, I didn't know Brian gave vacation day to the IB staff. So Ryan, what he's saying is that week that I that you took a vacation and I told you mm-hmm. stop working and enjoy your vacation. <laughs> he didn't notice you. He didn't notice you're gone. That's hurtful. Wow. That is hurtful. hurtful. Yeah. Salty, I thought you, I thought, I thought we were better friends than that, yeah. man. I thought you yeah. missed me. Yeah. And same thing. He He's on the show with Sean Stars every night. Did he not, did he miss the entire week? Not the one where Sean was sick, but the one I gave him off this summer. That's hurtful. I guess I'm the not only, memorable. The only person that I, person that I was breakdown that hasn't taken a vacation in the last year is me. <laughs> so uh i need to give myself some vacation days here pretty hey, soon you you are irish breakdown sir all right so here's we're gonna get to this this last one here and says uh, robert bishop says mailbag do you guys have believe that the call on jd bertrand was a targeting call or should it have been a late hit penalty and would it have had a different out and 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 would it have had a different outcome so i'm gonna reverse answer these yes yeah. if it was called a, a, a late hit that's not an ejectable – a late hit is a personal foul. If you get two personal mm-hmm. fouls, you get kicked out of the game. But I do not believe that two personal fouls leading to an ejection impacts you the next game the way that targeting does. I'm, I believe that's the case. Targeting mm-hmm. is the only one that impacts your future plans. If you're ejected in the second half, you then miss the first half of the next game. Mm-hmm. The, the first one is – that was flat out a targeting call. For what? Because targeting is not. I think people have too narrowly defined targeting as if it's just the helmet hit. It's not. It's also hitting another guy in the head. And even though JD didn't target in with the crown of the helmet thing, that's not what. That's not the only targeting. He hit the kid in the head, and the kid was completely defenseless. And it was. It was also very late. Uh, That to me, that should be the kind of thing that the official, uh, the NCA focuses. That hit by JD Bertrand is one that they should be very 
harsh against. I have said that targeting when it is a an incidental contact type of thing, you know, you put mm-hmm. your head down and it, it wasn't a malicious hit. That to me should not be an objection. Mm-hmm. What JD did should be an objection. Yes. I do because that is a it's not dirty. I don't think JD was trying to be dirty. I don't think he's right. that kind of kid. I don't think he's that kind of player, but it was dangerous and it was unnecessary. And that's not like, like if you hit a guy like that, the minute the ball arrives, no problem. Shouldn't be, it shouldn't be targeting in my opinion because mm-hmm. the ball's there. Right. Yeah. But when you hit a guy like that, who's clearly not going for the football anymore, that's a, that's a, it's a dirty play. I don't even like dirty play. Because dirty implies that JD did something like nefarious or he had ill intention. Yeah. I don't think yeah. he did, but it's mm-hmm. a dangerous play. Dangerous, and, yeah. Yes, and and that should be target. That should be an ejection. When a when a guy goes down, like the cow, the cow guy that hit Drew Pine or hit uh, Tyler Buckner again, or mm-hmm. no, uh, the hit uh, no, it's Drew Pine. That to me was a dangerous hit that you should be ejected for. You know what I'm talking about number, when number 51 got tar- kicked out? Yeah. The the other ones that are like uh, you're unsure of, it's a, it, it just because the guy right for the ball, like when a quarterback slides and a linebacker goes in and puts his head down and goes right for the quarterback's head, get him out. Yeah. Get him did out. You see, did you see the one in the first game between LSU and Florida State when Allie Gay um, just completely dug his head right into yes. Jordan Travis? Like yes. that, that type of play, man, like. You're get out, out. Your brother. Get, get out. out. That yeah. is a that is a that is a malicious that was a mm-hmm. malicious hit. Yes. Right. And so that's different than like the 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 play where Tory Hunter got knocked out against Texas. Mm-hmm. Like that's classic targeting, but I don't know if I would support an ejection on that because it was it was part of the play, but he led with his head. That should mm-hmm. be a 15 yard penalty. And but not an ejection, right? The play later in the year where Deshaun Kaiser slid and the Virginia Tech guy just like went at his head that they didn't even call targeting that should have not even been targeting that should have been an ejection. That's how I think that they need to they need to have varying degrees of targeting in my opinion, you know. Um, and I'm so glad that Sean Taylor played in the era he played in because mm-hmm. could you imagine what his highlight reel would look like now? He'd be a completely different player. Sure would. So, um, do you, do you remember funny. when he? Do you remember when he hit Brian Mormon in the uh, the punter from Buffalo in the uh, in the All Star game in the uh, no. Pro Bowl? Oh my I god! Don't. I don't want best yeah, hit I ever. I can't best hit ever. Last time I watched the Pro Bowl was uh, John Elway was still playing. Oh nice! So yeah, <laughs> it's, not, middle, it's been a couple really years. A like, the season's <laughs> over. I don't care. Um, but like there was a couple years ago, somebody shared a, a Sean Taylor Miami highlight tape. And yeah. and I and I responded. I quote to him. I said, "Targeting, targeting, targeting, <laughs> targeting." <laughs> like he'd get kicked out of so many games, you know, because it just this is the way the game. You know, it's just a different game back then. But yeah, it's it's a a, a whole different deal, man. It really is a whole yeah. different deal. Um, so somebody said that Tory Hunter should have been targeting, and and the that the the one that got pit that he was the, from Svantu was crap. It was my thing is I I think it was targeting on Tory Hunter. That's what I'm saying. It should have been targeting. What I'm saying is it shouldn't have been an ejection because I don't think it was a dirty hit. It wasn't a late hit. It was just, you know, can't hit a guy in the head like I'm that. Head, can't, yeah. You can't launch that way. There just needs to be varying levels of it. Right now, I would say turn targeting, turn the incidental targetings into personal fouls. Mm-hmm. Meaning you get two of them, you're out. I would do the same thing there. So that's what I want to see. So I believe, Ryan, that is going to be – here we go. We got one from 10 day. 10 day says, do you guys feel that the D line does not get a chance to get in a groove with all the rotating? I actually don't. I don't think that 10 day, I will say this. If you're practicing that way and you play that way, then they can get into a rhythm. I do. Because what they do a good job of and here, here, you know what 10 day, here's when I think it is. What I hate is when teams just do mass substitutions in a series, like constantly just like three plays, three plays, three plays, three plays. Notre Dame does a good job of rotating by series. And then if the if they get past a certain number of plays, they will then rotate. Like if, if, if a team's like on a seven, you know, a, a long – and they, they get to play seven and there's an incomplete pass, they'll quickly rotate in a new duty line. And I'm yeah. good with that. But they do a pretty good job of just mass substituting, you know, like uh, in, in a series. And I think that's when it allows you to get into a rhythm. 
I know I'm going in, and when I go in, I know I'm going to play this series. I don't have to look over my shoulder in two plays and see am I coming out. I think that's where you start to have some problems, Ryan, is when you're – after every play, you got to look over like, okay, they're taking me out on this one or they're taking me out on this one. When yeah. you know, hey, when you go in, you know, we're going to play, you get to play six – because usually it's like, hey, if, if they get to play six, we're, we're rotating, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that allows guys to get into a groove. So I think, I think a rotation can keep a D-line from getting into a groove. Yeah. I don't think the way Notre Dame does it does yeah. so it's a, it's a good question like after i thought about it for a second i was like okay my first answer was no it doesn't because i'm looking at it notre dame specifically but then i've seen teams that do it away that i don't like that i think mm-hmm. hurts them from getting into a rhythm I and so um yeah so good question 10 day i uh, when you got to kind of think about something like oh, okay hold on a second now let me let me let me let me rethink this one a little bit so yeah that's it all right so that is going to be the last question so we're going to end with 10 days questions so uh that's it for today's show, everybody. We will be back tonight. Uh, we won't be back, but Sean Styers and um, we'll be back tonight with IB Nation Sports Beat tonight at 6 p.m. Eastern. Ryan and I will be back tomorrow at 1 p.m. Uh, for our game prediction. So we will do Notre Dame and uh, we'll obviously do Notre Dame and North Carolina. We'll talk about sort of the magnitude of this game, kind of what's at stake for this game, all that type of stuff. And then we're also going to dive into our picks for the weekend, and we will share our upset picks. I am still deciding who my upset pick is going to be this week, Ryan. Uh, I have a couple teams in mind, but we will also be talking about Clemson and Wake Forest. We'll talk. We'll preview and make predictions for Florida, Tennessee. We'll preview and make predictions for Arkansas at Texas A&M, and we will make previews and predictions for Wisconsin at Ohio State. So that will be what tomorrow's show is all about. So do not miss it for ryan on brian everybody like subscribe hit the notifications share the podcast sign up for the message boards check out billboard try built bard check out trade coffee it's really awesome it's really good stuff and of course come back tomorrow and see us tomorrow on the irish breakdown podcast This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.